This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. We help you sell less and advise more by turning you into a recognized subject matter authority. Visit us at proudmouth.com to learn more about our Influence Accelerator services. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here's your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Thanks for joining another episode here of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. Excited to be here today. I have what's become a good friend and partner in my wealth management business with us today. His name is Ken Coburn and Ken runs an accounting firm out here on Long Island and has been an amazing partner to our wealth management business. Now, Cher, before I ask Ken to introduce himself, what I would share is we've received lots of questions from our listeners over the last two or three months just around how kind of some real partnerships work, right? So a lot of our advisors are intrigued and many are partnering with CPA firms already and wanted to hear directly from an accountant that actually is engaging through the wealth management business and building a productive partnership. With that being said, I want to introduce my friend and a great partner to our firm, Mr. Ken Cope. Ken, can you say hello to everyone for us? Good morning, all. Good morning, John. How are you? I just a little introduction to myself. Again, my name is Kenneth Coburn. I have a tax practice on Long Island, New York, in Suffolk County. My venture with John and the financial planning integration of my tax practice began about 15 years ago. The reason why I got involved with it, I had a, a lot of clients coming to me and asking me financial advice. I'm a tax accountant. I really didn't have that expertise and I felt uncomfortable. But on the flip side, I saw a lot of my clients receiving very bad information and bad advice. So I made a decision to integrate my practice with a financial planning practice. I interviewed about 10 firms. I got a short list down to about three firms. And I went with the team I'm with, which uh, John, myself and John are involved with. I went with them for several reasons. One, their professionalism, their educational background. And a really important part to me was their transparency in fees. The fact that they did not charge transaction costs. I found that a lot of, and I do a lot of financial plans, tax returns too. And I would ask them, why did you sell that stock? You bought the same stock. They would look at me, well, how do you think I make a living by buying and selling stock? So that bothered me that it wasn't in the best interest of the client. It was in their best interest. So that's when I went on the pursuit to find a a partner that I felt would represent my firm the way I want my clients to be treated. I selected John and his team for that reason. My practice is I have about 850 individual tax returns I do, and I do about 150 various types of corporation, partnership, S-Corps, very few C-Corps, mostly S-Corps, and partnerships. I've gotten to the point where I have two bookkeepers that work for me that do the write-ups for me. I do the review. The process, and not to jump ahead, but the process with John and his team has been extremely uh, valuable to my firm. I believe it's an extra tool in my tool belt that gives me the resources to reach back. If I don't have an answer, I can always call them and they always will get me the answer. But more importantly, my clients are getting top-notch advice on their finances. 
the demographics of my clientele or people in their 50s or 60s that are on the really getting close to the journey of retirement, what to do, how to do it, can I do it? And that's why I find the financial planning aspect of our integrated practice very valuable because we're able to give my clients guidance uh, on how to reach their retirement goals. So that's a real quick introduction of what I do. I can answer any questions that people feel. So I will add that it's been an extremely valuable asset to my firm. I police my clients at the end of every year. How is your relationship going with my wealth management part of my practice? And they're extremely pleased. Of course, some people say they lost some money, but the communication is always there. The reach out is always there. And as we go through this podcast, I'll, go, I'll explain to you how we reach those goals. Man, you've been well-trained, man. <laughs> uh, you're, you're leading us through. Maybe you should host the podcast. I think extremely well said. I'm just going to drill down a little bit. So here's some of the things that I heard. Obviously, I, I know this, but it sounds like your firm does about 850 tax returns, work with about 150 businesses. I know, I didn't realize it was quite 15 years, but I guess we partnered up about 15 years ago, which is time flies, I guess, when you're having fun. It sounds like you got involved because your clients were asking for it as an accountant and that kind of trusted professional. One of the things that I would ask you, and again, most of our listeners are financial advisors, right? In fact, probably all of our listeners are financial advisors. And I think that it's sometimes really hard for a financial advisor to think like an accountant, right? And to understand that accountant can't see the opportunity. Now, you're on the other side of it 15 years later, where you are giving your clients integrated advice, as you called it, and you're partnered with our team, and it's going really well. And I know we've had a lot of successes and provided a lot of value, but I want to go back 15 years ago, and you talked about some of this, but what are some of the things that were important to you? You made this decision that helping your clients with financial planning was important. What were some things that were important to you as their accountant that you were really looking for in a team, an advisory team? Well, one of the first things, John, I wanted was professionalism. Again, some financial planners were mom and pop shops where they were just giving advice. And in today's world, it's just too fast moving that I didn't think they were being current with their advice. Secondly, as I mentioned before, I wanted transparency. Transparency was very, very important to me. I wanted my clients to know what everyone's responsibility was, what the, what the client's responsibility was, and what my team, me, my, the tax, and, and their wealth management's responsibilities were. We would make it very clear to them that we would hold them accountable to meet their goals. Obviously, it's, they don't want to do it. They don't want to. But again, the most important thing to me was really was the transparency and the fee structure. I felt that a lot of my clients were having transactions done that were not in their best interest. That bothered me as an accountant, you know, I'm a penny counter. So it, it, it bothered me that people were charging fees for things that were really unnecessary. So again, I began that journey. That was, that was the reason why I started the journey. The couple of things I heard there, Ken, were transparency, right? Making sure that fees were properly disclosed. And I like what you said about your job being to kind of oversee it. That's something that we teach advisors a lot. And I'm glad you hit on that in that we always teach it, as you know, that the accountant is the 
person who's bringing the goodwill, right? Or like we like to call it the borrowed trust, meaning your clients trust you. When you bring those clients to the table, meet with the advisor, the client wants to know that you're kind of at the helm of the relationship, right? And ensuring that the process that's being promised is actually delivered. So I'd ask you to just talk a little bit about that. And I know you've commented to me a lot in the past that the fact that our firm really does true financial planning and kind of understands the whole holistic kind of situation for the client and really integral to the success that you've been having. Can you talk to that a bit? Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll talk about the latter statement there first. I found, find it extremely important to my clients. Wealth management is important, but to have a true financial planner that has the acronyms after his name with all the certifications has become extremely important to me. And they are helping me navigate with my clients their retirement plans. And that's extremely important to me. I've had these clients for 20 or 30 years, but I want to make sure they're being taken care of properly. I do quarterback the first and second meetings. I do the introductions. I will sit at the table with the financial planner and my uh, client. What I will tell you, based on my experience, the client don't really ask that many questions because they don't know what they don't know. So it's important that the tax advisor is definitely part of at least the first couple of meetings and make sure everyone's comfortable. And then I'm always available by phone if they need to ask me any questions uh, as a group or individually. I find that extremely important that they feel that we're all on the same page, that we're all interested in their best interest, what's best for them. It's not about what's best for us and how do we make money. It's how do we preserve their wealth and make sure that they the questions. The first question we always ask them, what's your intention for the money? Based on that answer, we're able to give them a roadmap of how to get where they want to go. But you need to know what do you want the money for? Is it for legacy planning? Is it for vacations? Is it to live a live a little better life than you're currently living? The key to that, though, John, I believe, is the quarterbacking of the meetings. It's to, to, for the financial planners. It's not a lot of work for the tax tax professional to be engaged in it. What I can tell you is, you probably can do this in an hour a week session. I do tell you, it's extremely important that as a financial planner. You hold the accountant responsible to make sure he has that meeting. Because that's where the business comes, that's where the relationship comes, and that's when the trust comes between both parties. The financial plan and the accountant have to have trust in each other, that they both are professional. That's extremely important. I guess if I had to summarize, the quarterback in, when I say quarterback in, just the initial meeting, the quarterback in, for me to be at the meeting with my clients, he asked the questions that I know they don't know yet to ask. And after the second or third meeting, they're comfortable and they will start responding and asking questions on their own. Always, always to make sure that the client feels comfortable that me as their tax advisor is asking the appropriate questions for them. I'm smiling here because it's like you're like a prized pupil because 15 years ago, I say this with all due respect, I remember meeting you. You didn't know all this stuff. You didn't, re- you didn't really know much about financial planning, like a lot of accountants, right? You knew some more than the average heir, so to speak. But you talk today actually like you're a financial advisor. You get it. I think to our listeners, I want you to connect that, right? This is, a, this is an accountant that is actually explaining 
my process, right? The process that we develop within the wealth management firm uh, through consulting group, we now teach the financial advisors. And what Ken is actually in a great way, by the way, articulating is the key points to our process. One of the things he just talked about was the significance of the advisor meeting with the accountant on a weekly basis, building trust, building relationship, et cetera. I think that's extremely well said. And, and I probably should have said this before, but Ken, has been one of our very successful accounting partnerships as well. Could you just talk briefly, Ken, and in whatever terms you're comfortable, you don't need to divulge anything that you're not comfortable with, by the way, but roughly how many clients, how many of your you know, roughly thousand clients have become clients of the wealth management firm. What does that mean in a roundabout way and kind of revenue to you and, and your firm? Initially, it, it, in the first year or two, the growth was not as fast. It was hard. Again, you know, so when I first started it, I would reach out to my best clients and I would lobby it to them. Like, I'm thinking of doing this. I'm thinking of merging my practice with the wealth management. I trust you. Uh, I respect your opinion. Could you sit down with them and can you tell me, give me feedback on what the, what the meeting was like? So that started. And as that started, that grew and it grew to right now, John, I have over 300 clients from my bottom line to my bottom line is six figures, which is about $150,000 that brings to my bottom line. One, secondly, you do the branding for my firm. You do my mailing. You offer a, a monthly seminars that I invite my clients to. It's been a win-win for me and my clients because they, they know they're getting good tax advice and now they're so comfortable that they're getting financial planning advice. Again, the, the most important thing for the financial plan is to make sure the accountants understand that as people get to their retirement age, their largest expense is going to be tax. So you need to make sure that they're integrated. I can give you a short, real quick story. I had a client that for three years, I was trying to, to have the conversation with the family to let, tell them the woman was like in the mid-80s. Italian, spoke very little English. But I've learned to look at tax returns differently. I learned to look at tax returns to look and see how much interest, interest income they have, capital gains. I now know they have a portfolio. And mom kept saying she had no money. Well, we finally got mom convinced that she should look into it. It was in her best interest that for her children to know what she had so when mom passes we know what to do well when we started digging we found that mom had over three million dollars of assets and a lot of the assets were old annuities and things that from a tax perspective we could cash i don't want to use the word cash them in but we could adjust and get the, a step-up basis in these and uh, some of these assets so then when mom does pass there was a tremendous amount of savings we saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes for when and unfortunately mom passed away within a year after that but the work was done. It's extremely a val valuable tool. So financial planners should emphasize that to their accounting counterparts that readiness is a team, but you will, it will make your practice look so much better because your clients are going to be, wow, not only they did well, they're going to go talk to their other clients. You're going to gain clients. I've gained clients through this practice, and you're going to gain more financial planning clients. I do tax returns. Like I said, I do like 900 tax returns. But when I do them now, I'm looking at certain things on the tax return that I know will trigger a financial planning engagement. Not every client's going to be going to take that and want, maybe they're not ready at that stage in their life to do it. But you've introduced it. They now know you do that. And if they're not today, tomorrow they will come back and ask you questions. 
This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Proudmouth. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. We've had some success together, for sure, most importantly, helping clients. And to your point, you've gone out and become a solicitor and gone through that whole process, which has been great. So you get to share in some of the compensation, which is great for you and the firm and clients are happy about it. John, yes, the compensation is very, very good. No question about that. But more importantly is the back office support that you also receive. Your firm has extreme talent. I'm a tax preparer. I don't know everything. Dealing with the relationships that we have, you have experts in areas that I'm not an expert on. So it allows me to reach out. So the compensation is extremely important. But it's the professional knowledge that is an invaluable asset. I feel like I should just have you, you, you know, I love it. You should just, I should have you talk to all of our accounts. I don't know why we don't do that, by the way. That's a, a side conversation. <laughs> I should probably have, but no, I appreciate the kind words. And again, from our listeners perspective, I just, I know I've hit it already, but it's just kind of cool for me to hear, right? Ken talking about the way he started off was to ask clients for their opinion, right? On, he's thinking about getting involved in wealth management, integrating into his practice. And would you kind of do me a favor, you know, take a meeting with this financial planning firm as an example. And it's interesting in, in the way Ken's sharing it, this isn't to take it away from you, Ken, it's to help make a point with the listeners. That's like page eight of our training manual of how we teach advisors to partner with accounting firms you're looking back on on how easy it was, which is kind of, from my perspective, uh, a little proof in the pudding that what we teach is actually working, which is great for me. So the other question I had for you, Ken, is twofold. I'll hit you with the cut and two question, which I do a lot. One is you talked about the weekly meetings, right? And I know you meet with Eric from our team as being critically important to the success of the partnership. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about kind of what happened early on in those meetings and now what those meetings look like, because I agree, I think that is the secret sauce. And then the second part is I'd like you to maybe just talk about when you speak with a perspective, one of your clients about meeting with someone on our team, kind of what you say and how you position it and how you were able to get comfortable kind of wordsmithing it, if that makes sense. First topic, John, the meetings. Again, John mentioned the name Eric Sorowski, who I partner up with. Initially, when I met with Eric, it was, besides a little funny, Eric looked like he was still in high school. So a lot of my clients were like, ooh, this is like a kid. But I will tell you, he wasn't. He was in his late 20s at the time and extremely knowledgeable and professionalism. So myself and Eric would go through, and again, which was really important for any financial advisor out there, we had scripts. And we wrote scripts up. We had questions and we rehearsed them and we rehearsed them until we got it. We were very comfortable with it. 
Then again, the first couple of meetings, we picked my better clients that I knew I had relationship with that would, would participate in this exercise. It was an introduction, talking about our credentials, talking about the firm, looking at what we saw from a tax perspective, what possible advice we could give to them, and would they mind coming sitting with us so we can talk to them. The meetings were extremely important in the beginning that the clients didn't really know what to ask. First thing we would talk, introduce, tell them, John's team would tell them their the background of their firm, the credentials, what their goals are, what their, and what all the attributes they've had. Then we would go into the clients. What were they looking for? What did they want from a financial planner? And everyone would always say, I want to make money. That's important, but that's not really the only reason why you want a financial planner. Wealth management's important, but financial planning is more important as you get age in your life. As you get closer to your retirement, you need to have your buckets in order. One of the things we talk to people, hey, you've done a great job. You got a million dollars in your 401. Then I would say, yeah, very good job, but you really only got a half a million. So that's when the financial planning hat would be put on by Eric and his team, and they would give him advice. Well, we want to put some of this money in post-tax buckets. And that was extremely, extremely important. And again, we've been doing it for 15 years, and I now have clients that all retired based on the advice that we had given them. And I still do their taxes. And they, it's amazing how happy people are and how thankful they are. You know, they're constantly thanking me for introducing me, introducing them to the financial planning part of my team. So that, that has gone really, really well. How do, I, how do we get the clients engaged? The initial ones were a little easier because those were clients that I knew I had a relationship with. As we fast forward, I've obviously I've harvested most of my clients that I knew better than others. And now we, now what, what we do is we just be very clear with them. I, I start out, you're going to get a free consultation from one of the best firms in the country. It's a no-brainer. I'm going to be sitting there. I'm going to be asking questions for you. If I'm uncomfortable, you don't know what to ask. But I'll ask the questions for you. And then you see what the responses are. And based on those responses, we engage in, in, in future meetings with the people. When John and his team and Eric walk through their process, they're very comfortable with it. We probably, John, in the first couple of years, the first two years, added maybe 10, 15 a year. We add now probably 20 or 30 clients to a tax season. What that will advise financial plan is to be, to be knowledgeable in a tax practice time schedule. For example, from February to April, you probably don't want to bother us because if you call them and you start asking them and you call them back again, you're going to kind of rub them the wrong way because they're extremely busy. They maybe look like they're listening to you, but they're really not. They're thinking about something else. So your time frame for doing this is really now through, you know, the end of the summer is when accountants have a little more time and are more interested in listen, listening to things. A lot of accountants are old school and older, and they have blinders on. They think there's a conflict of interest with accountants doing financial planning. You want to emphasize to them that is not a conflict of an interest, that you as their accountant have a responsibility to make sure that their finances are in, in uh, proper order. So I look at it the other way. I take it as a responsibility of me to educate them on what they should and what they should not be doing. And then I let John and the financial planning lead that part of the investment. As the tax preparer, and again, I have knowledge of this, I do say engage. I'm engaged more than probably you have to be. I like it. So I don't know if that answered your question, John, but it's kind of. No, no, it did. It did. It It answered it really thoroughly. And, you know, I heard a lot of good things in there. One is at this point, really what you're saying is 
those one-on-one meetings early on with Eric kind of set the foundation, right? Helping you, A, understand the process of how we deliver financial planning advice and some of the things that you want to share with your prospective clients. And then I think the approach that Eric was able to lead you through, which was to start with your highest relationship clients. And again, we kind of do it like you had said earlier, would you do me a favor? I'm thinking about doing this, et cetera. That got you comfortable early on to have conversations with others. And what you can all hopefully hear from Ken is he's bought in. He actually truly believes that his clients are better off with our firm, my firm in this case, in their lives than without it. And that's the key. And maybe, Ken, you could talk a little bit. Well, actually, before I go there, I just want to make, uh, address one more piece. The wordsmithing, if you've listened to Ken's words before, he was just really confident and just saying, hey, I'm your accountant. I've got a wealth management relationship with a great financial advisor who's credentialized and one of the best. I'd like you to meet with them. I sleep better at night with, is the wordsmithing that I usually use knowing that I got my eyes on it along with my wealth management team to make sure that you were getting the best overall advice. Isn't it worth an hour for us to all meet together? And I'll be there by your side and be willing to ask questions and support you, et cetera. If you as the advisor can get your accountant partner to say something like Ken just said, you're going to get to a point like Ken has a hundred of those clients are, or more are going to become mutual clients of, of each of yours. One of the things I'd share as well, Ken made reference before that we have around 300 clients together. I'll share with you probably 40, 45% of those clients are not actually my firm's ideal clients. One of the things that we teach and believe in is if someone's important to the accountant, even if it's not in your target market, might be a little unpopular for financial advisors because lots of advisors have minimums and things along those lines. If it's important to the accountant, the accountant is actually your relationship. That's your client, right? And if he or she feels like you're their most important client, you've got to sometimes do some things that might not be ideal for you. So Ken, could you talk to that, like the importance? Because I know not all of your clients are millionaires and we've taken on some clients that are not ideal. I know that's meant a lot to you, but maybe you could just talk to that a little bit. Yeah, John, that's a good point. I mean, I definitely, some of my clients, we, I look at it a little differently. Some of them don't have the threshold of what you want to make per year on them, but a lot of them are young. Uh, some of them are young. They're professionals. They're going to be growing. Things happen in their lives that make them a better client in a little while in the future. An example, I have a client of mine, he doesn't have much, maybe $100,000 he has invested with us. Fast forward, uh, unfortunately, he got into a car accident, very serious car accident. He, he's just settling on a lawsuit where he's going to get $5 million. Well, guess what? Because we took care of him with his $100,000 and gave him professional advice and treated him the same as a millionaire, million dollar client. He is now going to roll that money to us to invest and to manage for him. I know it's, I know right now you think I got to make, I want to make money. I got to make money. I got to cover my overhead, but think of it in the long term. You know, some of these clients, of course, some will not grow, but a lot of them will grow when, as they get further in their careers or if they get inheritances, people get money from many sources. And when that money comes, you already have that relationship with them. 
And who do you think the first person they're going to call and ask? Yes, you got to cover your overhead. I understand that. But you should be conscious that that's your future. Those clients that don't have the large dollar amount now may in the future by either working or inheritance or some other bad thing that happened, they got a lawsuit. You got to balance your books. You got to make sure you can pay the bills, but you also should be thinking about, hey, okay, I got to do this because that's my growth in the future. Yeah, no, completely agree and well said. The, The key there is, and I think a lot of advisors make this mistake, is the accountant is your client, right? Not the clients that they refer. If a client is important to the accountant, you've got to figure out as an advisor a way to accommodate those clients. And it doesn't mean you need to give the exact same experience to someone who has $100,000, right? You can have them served by a junior advisor on your team or more call center type perspective. But if it's important to Ken or accounting partner, and he would like us to work with someone because it might be his best client's son or daughter, or it might be a business that is worth a lot of money, but they don't have liquidity because they're putting all of their profits back into the business, et cetera. And you bring up another great point. I stole this from someone, I can't remember who, so whoever it is, I apologize, and I should have given you credit, but I don't know where I heard it. But there's a term out there called the Henry, right? And we, we kind of joke about it in our office. And a Henry is a high earner, not rich yet, right? That's the abbreviation, high earner, not rich yet. And that's probably the fastest growing part of our practice right now, or one of the fastest growing parts, are professionals making significant incomes that are in the early stages of just buying houses and things along those lines. But over time, they are going to be 500000 to million-dollar household incomes, which are the folks that if you can get them when they're young, ultimately become absolutely amazing clients. So I think all that can was super, super well said. I do echo that, John, too. I, I will tell you, demographics of my practice or I don't even want to call them millenniums. I'm not sure what they call these days, but they are all people in their 30s, dual income, $750 million. Like John said, just purchased their dream home. They got that behind them. Now they're like, all right, now I got to start figuring out my future. What do I do? It's really, that part of my practice is growing also, John, too. So besides your practice, my my whole practice has grown tremendously by those people, too. So that is a good target for people to be uh, trying to focus in on. Yeah, no, absolutely. You get people when they're young and they they need a plan, right? They need to start thinking about all of the facets of financial planning. When you set them up right, ultimately, when they are very wealthy, um, because they will be, right? They're just not rich yet. That loyalty stays and and they stick around for the wall. Talk a little bit. I mean, you hit some of this earlier, but talk a little bit about how kind of having, I'll call it this outsourced financial planning division, how has it impacted the business and the overall advice and relationships that you have? Well, the first thing is time. It has saved me tremendous amounts of time because, again, I have knowledge and background in this area, but I'm not an expert. So I, in the beginning, 15 years ago, I would spend a half an hour, 45 minutes talking to my clients about, well, you should think about this, you should do this, but what about this? And at the end of the meeting, I'm like, well, that really was not very productive for me. I spent 45 minutes giving advice that 
really not qualified to give just general statements. We should look into this. We should look at that. So really not, not much value added. So you couldn't charge a client for that. And then I, that's when I realized that this is an extremely important part of what my practice should be doing. I should be able to educate people and give them advice on this. But again, I'm a tax person. I'm not a financial planner. So I'm smart enough to know what I'm good at. So I made the decision to outsource that to a third party. The relationship has been tremendous. The feedback from my clients, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can honestly say in the 15 years that we've been doing this, we have had not one person complain to me. I do police my clients. I see them every year, at least once a year, some of them several times. And I ask them, how is it going? Everyone has nothing but great things to say. So you as the financial planners, you have to stay focused on that because if you don't do something right, that client will call me the accountant and then that accountant will be calling you. And if you sever that relationship, that's not good, but that's never happened. So that's something you really need to be aware of that you have to keep the accountant happy. Again, it's an extension of my practice. Anything that's done by me or any third party that I engage with is a reflection on me. So I'm going to make sure that's handled appropriately and professionally. To the advisors listening in, you also have to have a little bit of a thick skin when you're being referred from an accountant. I can share with you, and this has happened through Ken and, and some of our other accounting partners as well. Remember, the client uses the accountant as the go-between, right? So if your follow-up is not perfect and you're maybe you forget to return a phone call or something didn't get processed the right way, usually in the early part of the relationship, they go to the accountant and they call someone like Ken and say, what, what's up with this John guy? I left him a message and he didn't get back to me or he was supposed to do some transfer paperwork and we're still waiting on the paperwork as well. I share that as a good thing because self-awareness of yourself or of your business is incredibly important. And a client that you bring on kind of organically is never going to give you that direct feedback. They might just decide not to implement the financial plan or not to, to, to hire you as an advisor. When you have an accountant involved, they ultimately many times get a lot of the feedback, which becomes really insightful. Sometimes it can be frustrating, but overall, I think it's usually pretty darn insightful. With that being said, I think you've given amazing kind of little tidbits of information here. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think you might want to share with the audience? On a personal note, I just think this relationship has made me feel more valuable myself. It's given me more confidence to go on and take harder clients, clients that sometimes I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to handle because I now have a professional team behind me that I can rely on. I was a vice president of a utility, a tax department. So when I first started this, I probably had 75 clients. And I was nervous about getting bigger. But again, with the support from the financial planning team, uh, I felt more and more comfortable going out and doing things that weren't normally in my comfort level. Initially, financial planning, I wasn't comfortable I knew about, about it, but I wasn't comfortable enough where I thought I could give advice or have someone represent my firm give advice. But I've grown past that. So it's grow to a more, better professional person. I feel much more comfortable and confident in what I do. I think it's been a great resource for my family. It's put all three of my kids through college. If I had to give any recommendation, it would be to find a tax guy. A, Younger ones are a little more aggressive. The elder accountants have a little hard to persuade them to get into engaged in this practice. 
the younger, the 20s, the 30s, and the 40-year-old accountants, that a lot of accountants are now taking over practices that the former partners were elderly and they didn't want to get engaged at. The mindset has changed. So be aware of that when you reach out to practices and find out who the first thing you want to find out, who is the deciding partner, who makes the decisions on what the practice is going to do, the person you want to try and be engaged with. A lot of times they have partners and still in some firms that are old school. They're not really engaged in this type of practice. They really just want to give tax and accounting advice. So be aware of who you're trying to merge your business with. It's extremely important. John, if I had to summarize it, just it's been an extremely valuable tool to my firm. It's made my firm look that much better. Financially, is I've done very well with it. And quite honestly, it really doesn't take that much of my time. I spend a lot more time because I do enjoy doing it. And that's another thing you should emphasize to your accountant counterparts. This will take, you can do this for an hour a week. That's the meeting. And in that meeting, we do engage in phone calls. And Eric is the partner I was engaged with. He would hold me accountable. When he came, we made phone calls. And we would do three or four phone calls in that hour meeting. Some we would schedule meetings for. Some people said they didn't want to, they'd get back to us. But you got to do those meetings. If you don't do those meetings, the accountant's just not going to follow through. If he's going to think you're not you're not engaged in it enough, he's going to get, you're going to get him a client. He's worried you're not going to be committed to it. So it's those meetings, those follow-ups. It's communication. Communi- communication is key. Again, as I said before, I've had a couple of clients that have lost money. In this industry, you all know there is a roller coaster. Three out of ten years, somebody's going to lose some money. But it was the communication. It was the feedback. It was the engagement that Eric and his team would reach out to the clients, rebalance their account. This happened. This is what we're doing to correct them. It was, that communication was key. That communication made my practice look so much better. I've gotten so much more business from the, the full circle of benefits that I now offer my clients who are having this as part of my team. It's an invaluable tool, John. I think sage advice, Mr. Coburn, sage advice, as happy as you are with our partnership, we are with our end of it as well. Thank you so much for being our guest today and thanks for the partnership as well. And I thought this was really well done. I think if I'm an advisor, I I think what Ken represents is the after picture for a lot of advisors, which is fast forward 15 years, right? And imagine being in a spot that you've got, call it a couple of hundred in-segment clients and maybe a hundred not ideal clients. It's probably approaching six, seven, eight hundred thousand of annualized revenue from our partnership together, give or take somewhere along those lines. But think about that and what that could do to actually change your business. And just some of the salient points that I heard from Ken today, one of the things I like to say in my coaching program is it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. Almost every single thing that Ken talked about, uh, and this was not rehearsed, by the way, as being important, is something that we teach as a matter of process. And interestingly, the things that we most ultimately impress the importance of, like meeting regularly, scripting things, using webinars and seminars, and we didn't go too deep there. But all of that type of stuff is the stuff that we know ultimately. Thanks again for being our guest. My last question for you is, where do we find you? If someone is interested in 
kind of checking you out. Is there an email address or what would be the best way if someone had a quick yeah. question? Yeah, I'll give you my contact information. Yeah, one of the last comments for, for some financial planners could also talk to their accountant counterparts. This is residual income. I am one of the fortunate persons that work for a company where I have a pension. So I got a check every month in the mail. This relationship is residual income. I'm retired. I'm retired from my real job for eight years, but I still get paid significantly every month. It's, it's, an, it's a fantastic thing to be at, in my stage, retired. I'm 62. I've been retired for eight years, but I still receive monthly checks because, for my advice. And I will receive that for as long as my clients keep their money with the, uh, John and his team. Again, John, I offer my advice to anyone. If they want to call me, I'll give you my phone number. My cell phone number is 516-384-6858. Again, I do enjoy this. so I, I have no problem talking to anyone if they want to call me. And I have an email. My email is my last name, Coburn. C-O-B as in boy. U-R as in Robert. N as in Nancy. Tax. Coburn Tax at msn.com. Anybody can always reach back to John and his team, and they have all my contact information. You, so John, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just talk about this. I do enjoy this, John. I do like when I go with you to do some of these, and we go once or twice a year, once or twice a year to talk about this stuff. This is, I find this extremely important to my clients and other accountants should be thinking like this because it's, it's really the right thing to do. Again, I said it before. As you get to this stage of where I am in retirement, the most expensive thing you have left is taxes. So why would you not want your financial planner and tax tax practitioner to be on the same page? It's a, it's a tool. Again, John, one last time. I think myself and Eric, we talked about this 15 years ago. 15 years ago, this was probably not that common. Now you look at, you got financial planning practices buying tax practices and tax practices buying financial planning practices. The model that your team developed around was a good model 15 years ago, and obviously it's people have adapted to it and realized they need to do it because that's what's happening now. That's where the accountant you're talking to should be thinking. He needs to do this. You may want to do it, but you really need to do this if you want your practice to grow. Otherwise, you're going to just do tax returns. And that's, that's not, there's not much excitement and there's not much growth in that. You're not too into the wealth management thing, which is great. I think, again, sage advice, and I think you're right. We were uh, kind of pioneers before our time, and kudos to you for 15 years ago, kind of seeing where the industry's gone. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening today. I hope everyone found it valuable. Thanks again to Ken Coburn for being our guest. If you know anyone or you yourself think that you might be a good guest for our show, we are always interested uh, and meeting smart, interesting people who could be valuable to our listeners. So with that being said, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.